Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Jesse, and welcome to episode number three of the Cave Talks podcast series. First off, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone for the love on the first two episodes. Uh, if you haven't checked those out yet, you can go over to soundcloud.com slash cave talks or head to the Apple podcast app to stream it. It's also available on the Stitcher app as well. So make sure to check those out. Make sure to like and make sure you subscribe. Uh, we've got an exciting episode for you guys coming up. Uh, this week I interview Nico and Peter from the band Tribal Theory. Uh, this is a band I met a few years ago, and since then we've created two albums and have become really, really close friends. We share Nico and Peter's backstory and dive into the creative process of the first EP we worked on called Reclamation, and also the new full-length album that's coming out this spring called Time Lapse. So sit back and enjoy, wherever you guys are listening. This is episode number three of Cave Talks. Cool. So let's uh, let's get started, man. Let's lay it okay. on the table, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we could uh, share our deepest, darkest secrets tonight. I'm down. Oh, <laughs> Nico's like, I have some dark <laughs> secrets, but there's I'm a not couple. sure. <laughs> there's a couple. I have some skeletons in my this. closet. I'm not sure if I'm willing to dig that deep. It's a walk-in closet. Um, but yeah, let's <laughs> di- let's dive right Sounds in. Spacious. Um, <laughs> let's start with that. Let's start with uh, with Nico. Yes. So uh, yeah, let's talk about your uh, where you were raised. Let's talk about uh, when you were born, your family. Let's talk about what you grew up listening to, mm-hmm. uh, some of your, the first albums you owned, and uh, yeah, let's start there. Okay, that's a good start. Because <laughs> my life is about to get crazy over this microphone. My legitimate name is Nicolas Vaasamamao Tulesu. No one would ever know that because. The entire alphabet is in there. Um, but yeah, it's my full full legal name. Have someone, Filipino, uh, Native American, Mexican. Born and raised San Diego. I've been here my entire life, and I, I don't really see myself leaving anytime soon, which is, I mean, it's, it's almost expected out of people that are from San Diego. Like, this place is almost too perfect to leave. But I mean, not saying that I wouldn't, but not for long. Um, but... Uh, Went to high school at Helix. It's really, uh, really not uh, a school guy. I wasn't really trying to do school for too didn't, long. Uh, didn't Alex Smith go to Helix? Alex Smith and Reggie Bush. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was actually a freshman when uh, Reggie Bush was a senior. And the school is like, the school is like super cool. Charter school. A um, lot of lot of races and stuff. A lot, lot of different things like going on. But it was, it was more of like... Um, like college prep so it just being in that itself was like weird for me yeah so this this school was basically like sports yeah okay so that's what i've heard yeah basically getting everybody ready to do any kind of sports that going as far as collegiate but i did not want to do that i, I love football and i love doing that hey um <laughs> i love i love i played volleyball for a while did did a lot of good sports but i mean school wasn't really my thing went to went to college for UC, UC Grossmont. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that place. Grossmont, yeah. Yeah, UC. What, uh, no, just what, what position did you play uh, um, on the football team? I was a uh, starting wide receiver, uh, second string quarterback, 
um, third string um, running back, and then defense, I was strong safety, free safety, and corner. Anything, I, pretty much anything, but O line and D line. Radical man. Yeah, and then um, around then I was I picked up music. I was playing. I picked up guitar um, first, which was cool. I liked it. Took lessons for like three months, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." I can just teach myself, and I, I ended up teaching myself a little bit, and I've gotten so far, which is okay with me. But I, you know, I, I feel but like. But what was more... the one thing that was like? Yeah, I want to. Would you see someone at school that had a guitar and you thought it was cool, or did you see someone on TV, or, or what was it that grabbed your like attention? Was it a band you listened to, or? I would say a lot of mom's influence in the car. I was always okay. into it, but I never like never knew how to sing. That's what's crazy. Never did any of that. But we were at, I, we were at church, and I seen this dude. He was playing guitar. I was like, cool. That that looks like cool. Nice. So my, my mom and uh, stepdad were big on that. We went to church every Sunday. Was really digging the the church vibes then, and still it still are. But um, like musically, that's where I started getting it, and um, moved from there to drums. Saw saw the dude playing drums. I was like, I want to learn how to do that. I gotta ask him. He's like, I'll give you a drum set. Um, I just can't teach you. You just kind of gotta teach yourself. And I kind of did. Took lessons from a friend. Learned how to play punk rock first, and that was crazy. Something super crazy to learn. But that's actually the first genre I fell into. It wasn't even reggae. Punk. Yeah, punk. There was a lot of R&B and stuff from mom and stuff uh, yeah. on the radio. Um, but punk, um, post-hardcore kind of stuff. Is, nice. Name some bands you would listen to. Uh, my American <laughs> Heart. <laughs> no, no, you don't. No, have to. No, was, <laughs> He's like, I don't even know that band. It was, it was big on Under Oath. Yes. Back then. Chasing was, Safety. Yeah. Um, Misfits. Um, Rancid. There's... I didn't. I didn't listen to a lot, much, uh, much because like the influence was in there. I just hooked onto a couple songs and fell right. into it. So you said your your mom would play some music in the car, and and you guys would go to church and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. like, name some stuff that your mom would play in the car, and uh, Mary J. That, Blige just like oh, every day. Oh yes, every day. Uh, who's uh, Blackstreet? <laughs> oh yes. Don't leave me, girl. Yes, Brian McKnight. She 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 was real into R and B and like the ladies like sexy. Oh yeah. But then Mike Morrison, everybody. Ah. At ninety two point five. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much ninety two point five every day. Very nice, man. Yeah. Um, picked up the drums after that, and that's kind of where I started with Tribal Theory. Um, it it was a band before I was I had even knew it but my brother was the original guitarist and there was a group of like seven of them or seven or eight yeah i was in i i didn't join until my until i was 18 so until i was a senior i had had i'd been doing drums playing drums for like two years and my brother was like hey we need a drummer who's over 18 who can play this bar and are you down like we have like two weeks to do this are you are you down i was like yeah i can do it for you guys whatever like i didn't didn't expect much out of it Start playing. They were like, after after the gig, they were like, hey, um, do you want to play like forever? And I was like, dude, yeah. But the, the thing is, the crazy thing is the drummer at that time, his brother was the other guitarist. And we had to get rid of both of them, basically. And be, because they needed a drummer. That's insane. That Yeah. And it, it sucked. It's I, but I was like, yeah, I guess that's cool. And my mom was like, eh, you should still get a job and go to school. And my stepdad was like, yeah, that's going to be a hobby for a little while just like you like skateboarding and all that little stuff it's like whatever i was like yeah i mean whatever i don't really feel that way right now but at, it was literally after that first gig i think it was, ah, what is it? anyway 
it's whatever it was that in that moment I it was like five people at the place and I was cool I was like yes I'm just gonna play with my brother nah, 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 nah. be done with it they came up to me after like hey do you want to play very next gig we go play some casino and it's like 150 people and I was like wow <laughs> this is like so it was already so so they had been established for a few years then they, no 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 not for a stu- not for a few years maybe just like a, like a few s- months yeah a few months and they, really. they just picked up like these weird weird gigs I want to say maybe a year. That's but, crazy. Um, but I don't, I don't know what convinced them to do that because I was terrible. Eight, I was eighteen when <laughs> I when I first picked it up. I was sixteen because I was playing at church for like two years. Terrible, not really playing there, just kind of sitting and watching. But um, move forward, move from drums to, to singing, and you know it kind of changed my life because I've, I've never i never sang i was singing a little bit behind the drums and stuff so who was the lead singer um aj oh my god yeah. yeah aj um dom Koo. we had another lead singer mike there's like a bunch of people in that band Same. man there's too many people but turned out that a bunch of them ended up leaving and it became what we had it was like five of us and it kind of molded into what it is today after after a few years, but and finding Peter, yeah, and finding Peter, which which uh, leads me to Peter Cruz, hey, who Ooh. is here also <laughs> in the studio, yeah, and um, Peter is from Guam, right? Yes, I'm not mistaken. I am. <laughs> so I would love to hear your backstory as well because I know that's a that's a big part of your story and how you got here. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm from Guam, uh, born and raised. Um, I actually grew up on the north part of the island um, in this little town called Jigo, which is very close to um, the Air Force Base, Anderson Air Force Base. So went to Christian school my entire life. Um, Pretty much, you know, lived in that whole area up north and you know just kind of stuck in my little kind of square of like you know vibes and people and same thing you know just not nothing like san diego is right. so you were, so you were born born and raised born and raised in guam yeah were you into, into music when you were in guam absolutely absolutely um so yeah let's talk about your your influences as well and if your parents or relatives played a role in what you got into and you picking up your first instrument. I don't even know what your first uh, instrument is. <laughs> Mine was clarinet. Actually, we talked about that in, yeah, in yeah, episode yeah, one. So, and we talked about there, it outside, There too. are some curveballs. Yeah, <laughs> you never know sure. where, where people get started. Believe it or not, my first instrument was drums. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. See, Nico had no idea either. Yeah. This is never so asked. crazy. And the first this song. This is why I love Cave Talks and like this, <laughs> the whole this whole thing. Yeah, the education and just the learning. Right. Yeah. yeah of course. Um, drums. Yeah, drums. It was a Ludwig. You know the type of drums that you buy. Oh stri- yeah. Yeah, straight out of the the music store. The like one of two music stores we have in Guam. Um, in a box. Like the drums came in a box. You know what I mean? Box, like a wood box, like like, like a, no, like, like a carpenter, like a carpenter, like, like, a carpenter, like <laughs> fucking straight up made that and like nailed it together for you, and it said Peter on it. Peter, these drums are for you. Well, box. You know how you buy like the like the cheaper instruments at the the music store? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came in a card box. Yeah, it was a starter pack. It was a cardboard box, not first act by any means, but it was a Ludwig 
decent starter pack. Um, that was my first set. It was like we set it up in my mom's uh, living room, and she hated it. She absolutely hated it, man. Like, probably super loud. Loud. <laughs> my the first song I learned was Mbop. No way. I swear. I actually just saw Hanson live for the first time maybe two months ago. Yeah. Were they good? Great band. <gasps> they played for two and a half fucking hours. Though. Wow. So that was my first instrument. Um, musically, not nobody was really musically inclined in my family. Um, we all love music. Uh, you know. My brother actually played like uh, recreationally, like with friends, like in the yard and stuff, with like uh, acoustic guitar. You know, like he also like started with like this janky Yamaha that you also buy in a box. You know, that comes in a box. <laughs> um, but I think when it came to actually picking up an instrument, he was the one who like told me, like, "Hey, you got to try out the guitar." You know, stop playing the drums. Like, yeah, if you if you like drums, play it. But it wasn't just it, it wasn't my thing. I just I didn't fit the profile for a drummer, uh, for whatever reason. And I still to this day, I, <laughs> I am not a drummer whatsoever. Sorry, it's so funny because I I just can't picture Peter on the fucking drum set, man. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, exactly, it's, Nico. It's, that would be his first beat. Yeah. <laughs> and that was probably the first beat I've ever learned too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the drums were the drums just didn't work out. So my brother's like, "Hey, here's my Yamaha, you know, F1, <laughs> whatever the heck <laughs> you call those F1X. Yeah, it F1X. Was, it was probably ninety nine dollars. Yeah, maybe less. Maybe more less. or less. Yeah. And uh, he's he he left it uh, to me in in my room for like a couple weeks, and he's like, you know, if you if you want to try it out, try it out. And so I ended up picking it up for whatever reason. I just decided to play with it. Like, it's just like I had nothing else to do. You know, you're kidding, Guam. What more are you going to do? Play yeah. music or play outside? Like, you know, you, you do both. So uh, I ended up starting to pick up some stuff. I started getting into like reading like this book. I had like this grim. You ever heard of like Grimoire? It was like a book of no. like scales and stuff. Not familiar. Anyway, oh I didn't know what the hell I was reading, but <laughs> I picked it up anyway. I started learning some stuff. I started, uh, I took the actual guitar to school and then me and my friends started like, you know, trading ideas, like how okay. to play guitar. We, none of us knew how to play guitar whatsoever. Um, but it was just like, kind of like a collective, like learning experience. You're like the only guy I know that actually like picked up an instruction manual. And Peter would read the entire manual. <laughs> yeah. No. Front to back. <laughs> How not to break the guitar? Exactly. And Peter, Peter would no actually, which is why well, he's a god on guitar. Well, you he's know what's exactly. funny is because before YouTube, you didn't have that like leisure we just to manuals. go. Yeah, you, <laughs> you didn't have that leisure <laughs> to just go on the internet and look for videos and oh, yeah. something to teach you how to play guitar. You know what I mean? So we would have to, <laughs> we'd have to go to the local music store and buy I'm a physical inside. book. That to teach us. Okay, that that totally makes fucking sense now, because Rudy only knows reading music too. I swear, like, right? He can totally. What about what about tablature? Because I know. Well, it's all tabs. I learned off of yeah, guitartabs.com, bro. Numbers and bars. My first book of tabs ever was this Ernie Ball. (laughs) um, Shout out to Ernie Ball. Shout out to Ernie Ball. Yes. It was this little white Ernie Ball book that had an eagle on it and it was like the very basic book you could have for a guitar so i got that so eventually i bought a mini my first actual guitar was a mini squire 
like short scale right on same mini squire like this big you know tiny like from maybe like you know two and a half feet long with the tiny pickups and you know everything was just short scale um with the crappy little box amp you get you know and that was my first actual guitar so when i bought that guitar they offered me a free book and i was like yeah i'll take this and that's where i learned tabs and everything else from there was like you know well, eventually mm -hmm. the internet started picking up and that's where you, you had ultimateguitar.com and you would learn all the yeah. tabs you like look at all the like different acdc and metallica tabs and so on and so forth so that was that was my beginning like i put drums to the side and then i picked up an actual guitar and started learning some stuff so so peter cool. go, goes ahead and dedicates his life to to learning how to play guitar and from what i know and the pictures i've seen he had a really big afro <laughs> so can we just talk can we just talk about the afro for like maybe a minute sure <laughs> I'm sorry. So, it's so why he's, he's, nice, he's got a really fresh, nice fade. I just feel like the throwback yeah. Thursday was too lit to 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 yeah, not talk about it. Yeah, I'm the Afro. It is Thursday, man, by the way. I was going through some times there because initially in Guam, my my um, the scene I was in was very rock and metal, and you know all those those things that we didn't have the leisure of being connected to from out here on the state side we tried to fit in in our own way in guam and um metal was my thing like you know we're talking about like mastodon and, mm. um you know lamb of god and like just the basics of like metal you know the and darkness. a lot of a lot of metal core too yeah the deep cuts yeah exactly and um so um the afro was my way of transitioning into the reggae scene <laughs> you know because we were playing metal for so long and then we started to mature and we were like hey we want to play more music that's appealing to you know crowds like people who want to go out to the bars because in guam like the biggest thing is the money maker is the bands that go to the bars and have a consistent um you know residency at these bars so they're gonna make you know, a consistent six hundred to a thousand dollars every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and people are gonna go and watch them because they're good. Yeah. So that was our idea: is like we can't play fucking metal at the bars every Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But nobody's totally gonna come and watch though. us. You totally can, though. Well, you can, yeah, absolutely. But no one's pay no one's paying you. Yeah, yeah, right. And in Guam, like that scene is very, very, very underground, and today it doesn't even exist, yeah. more or less. So we were we were in the business of we wanted to mature and make money and also like appeal to people who the the main the masses you know not just not just our scene but the masses and so that's where it happened is my really close friend um back in the day he actually plays in a band now called four piece band his name's fred he's uh he's a drummer for the band and we were uh together in the same metal band but we grew into the actual reggae scene in guam um and so that's what we wanted to do is just you know make money appeal to the masses and then also just kind of be more eclectic with our style so the reg the so all in all the the afro was me <laughs> trying to become more Resist. rasta in, my, <laughs> in the sense of like reggae acceptance is a yeah. thing people right and in and that back in the day it was like it had to be 2008 2009 where we were transitioning and um 
I always looked up to those people who had dreads or who were like really. And you know, if you think about it, like all those people who were like had dreads and was in the reggae scene in Guam were just to themselves. They didn't care about like appealing to anybody. So we had kind of a little bit of like best of both worlds, but I just wanted to, you know, have that persona and that vibe. Powers in the hair, baby. Yeah. And he did have the hair and the persona and all of that. So let's fast forward. So, so Peter finds his way to San Diego. Let's, let's go ahead and fast forward to that situation because I know you brought your entire life and, and, and your youth to, to San Diego to start a new life and yeah. follow your dream. Um, so essentially I, there was a day where we had played a gig. It had to be on a Saturday in Guam and I came home and my mom was like, Hey, you need to go back and, you know, do your FAFSA with the university of Guam. And I was just not into it. I just wasn't like, I, I, I just wasn't like attentive to what she was telling me. And so eventually we had gone into the car, we had to go shopping and something, and we had this serious talk. And she's like, hey, what are you going to do with your life? You know, you're not going to go to UOG, you're not, UOG as in University of Guam. You're not going to play music forever in Guam. You need to do something. And I was like, hey, I've always loved aviation. I've loved planes and I've loved everything about that. Why don't I go, you know, go to stateside and become a pilot? Mm. And she was like, that's a cool idea, but, you know, do your research, take your time, so on and so forth. And I, I did my research and then eventually it was like, uh, you know, fight or flight kind of situation. Yeah. Stay and do the same thing or go and, you know, take a, take a risk. Mm. And so I said, hey, you know, book my ticket, we'll go. Mm. She booked my ticket and literally dropped everything dropped the band dropped um friends more or less family Excuse me. and um i left I, I left i left guam i left everything behind i left my car i left all my friends all my uh extended family and moved to san diego and um what happened was I went to flight school. I got my license eventually after moving out here and I did, and I started working and I just kind of felt like it wasn't cohesive with the rest of my life. Something was missing. And, um, I heard about this. Um, actually what's funny is I was with one of my closest friends. His name's Andrew Rages. He, he, uh, he's a chef here in San Diego. And he was my roommate at one point, and we went to uh, a show at Marriott. Um, and it was like, there's a reggae band playing at the Marriott in Del Mar. And I saw this flyer, and I was like, oh, you got to go check it out. And I've, I swear, and it said Tribal Theory. Okay. And I was like, I've seen, and I've seen <laughs> this, this like. Bridge. This is the bridge, people. Yeah, and this is, yeah, and I, I was like, I've heard of this band before. Like, it was on YouTube, or that I talked about in Guam when I was in Guam. And, um. We were like, we got to go. And it was their CD release party for the EP. Dang. What EP? The very first Tribal EP, Theory? Tribal Theory. Dang. Just self-titled. So it was it was Nico. It was Paul playing keyboards. It was Dom playing. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Dom, that's uh, playing ukulele. It was um, AJ singing with Koo and then Rich on guitar. And so we saw this flyer and it was like a Polynesian underground flyer with their CD release party. So we ended up going and I was like, oh, this is tight. Cool, like, 
you know, we, we have a kind of taste of what reggae has to offer in San Diego. Saw the guys play. It was dope. They had like some weird band play before. You. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember. It was weird, bro. Like robots. His name was Modest Yahoo. He was, <laughs> I, he was uh, nobody at the time. And he walked out. He didn't even. Anyway. Um, but what ended up happening was maybe a couple years down the line, I turned 21. My dad came out for my birthday from Guam. Shout out, Pops. Shout yeah. out, Pops. Love you. Um, and he came out for my birthday and we um, went to Seau's. So say I was down in Mission yeah. Valley, which is now Buffalo Wild Wings, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Say I was like, to me, was a like- A gem, a gem. Yeah, a dude. gem, man. And like, I am, I'm not one to talk because everybody else knows it way more in depth than I do. But as a spectator, mm. as somebody, as a, as, as a customer, that was the spot to be. Yeah. Like, and so any, anyway, um, we, Went for my 21st birthday after we went to Red Lobster. We went to nice, <laughs> we went to sales. It was a Wednesday, yeah, yeah, reggae, reggae night, reggae night. So, yeah, they were they had some reggae music playing, and at that night, um, it had to be like another reggae band. But Nico and AJ were there, and our old manager was there as well. And at one point in time throughout the night, they jumped on the mic. So whatever happened was we were just watching, we were drinking, me and my dad were just hanging out. And my dad being the guy he is, he's like, he loves to like, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. And just like, go, 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 go play play guitar. And I didn't though. And, but his thing is like, he, he loves to do that. But what he ended up doing was going and talking to the manager Yeah. and he talked to the manager and then ended up introducing me to these guys and it was like hey you know nice to meet you blah 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 and the manager came back to me at the end of the night and he was like hey if you know we may need you blah blah, blah. send me your email send me some videos so i sent him some videos that i was performing in guam and then um he hit me up like two weeks later he's like hey we need a bass player like that's yeah. i was like dude that's like not my instrument dude the next but day you bought a bass the next day i bought no. a bass and a amp He's like, I'm a bass player, yes. I can do that. I can, I can totally make that happen. I, I've played bass for the last 18 years. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it was like kind of like something that I had to like pick up instantly. But I've, you know, I've fiddled with the bass here and Off there. Guitar, if yeah. you could play guitar, you could play yeah. the bass. Yeah, 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 exactly. You could play the bass, but you're probably shitty at it. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was decent at best. We had a couple practices and we played a couple shows. And uh, eventually, you know, other members started like doing their own thing and... Um, that's kind of where. Okay, just a second. We had we okay. We had practice one night, and this motherfucker, he's playing bass, right? He's like, oh, okay, cool. Let's take a break. Hey, you guys, we just want to jam for a second, me and my brother. And I think Peter's like, yeah, I can try guitar. And he picks up the thing, and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Okay. Rich, like you need to go play. You need to go play bass. That's fucking retarded. <laughs> so they swapped. So you, so Nico, you made them swap. No, no, they, didn't, they didn't swap. He just, I didn't, I didn't know he played guitar. Okay, That's and then so you heard him play guitar. And then I heard and him, I was like, like, wow, this guy is serious. Yeah. He put his aviation training to the guitar and just yeah. flying <laughs> like, How did that? How did that happen so fast? But yeah, it was crazy. Anyway, nice. I, had, I just had to. See yeah, that. I believe Rich started to have a family and all that, so mm-hmm. he decided to take a step down. That literally left a hole in the band because there was no guitar player you know in a lot of bands you you can get away with it but in reggae you have to have a guitar player you know what i mean like it just has that it holds that rhythm section and so i was like hey you know i mean this is my instrument guitar is my instrument i can play guitar Mm -hmm. so we had uh one of nico's really good friends his name was edric 
play guitar, or I'm sorry, uh, bass for us for a long time. And then the same happened for Edric. You know, he had life happens and he has to move on and do certain things, left us with another hole. And what ended up happening was, you know, I told the guys, I was like, hey, one of my closest friends who I also played music with back in Guam plays bass. And that's all he's about. He's about music. And so I ended up hitting Rudy, who is the basis now for many Rudy. years. Rudy Two Shoes. Rudy. Rudy Two Shoes. Yeah, My exactly. Man Rudy. And um, I ended up uh, messaging Rudy on uh, Facebook. And <laughs> I, I hit him up on Facebook. I was like, hey, bro, like, you know, Travel Theory is getting serious. We need a bass player. Are you down? He's like, immediately he was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm down. Fuck yeah, let's do this. And I, I sent him all the music and I said, hey, I'll give you a week, learn all this stuff, and then we'll Skype. And we legit, nobody uses fucking Skype anymore. <laughs> But we, we straight up Skyped on my MacBook, my first Mac, not even a MacBook Pro, bro. Just a MacBook. <laughs> the white. The white one? The white one. Oh, Yes, man. 2008 MacBook. Premium. We we Skyped and I was like, hey, did you learn this stuff? He's like, yeah, I got this so, 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 so. And he played for me in, in on Skype with the fucking lag and everything. Wow. I was like, that'll do. <laughs> you sound pretty good. You sound great. You're in. All right. Thumbs up. So he's in. Yeah, so he's in, and um, I told the guys, they're like, hey, Rudy's going to move. Maybe a month after all that, like, you know, pre-prep, like prep, like it was all prep, you know, for him to get ready for the music, his mom got him all ready, and he picked up all his stuff and almost, like, exactly like me, picked up and left. Wow. And so he ended up at my apartment. I picked him up from the airport. He slept on my couch for months until we found, you know, a uh, situation where we can all have our own room and so on and so forth. And yeah, that that's kind of how he fell into the whole tribal theory thing. So so Rudy joins the band and we're here. We're at the uh, the current lineup of tribal theory. Mm. So let's move on and talk about your shows with this with this lineup. Um, I know social media wasn't wasn't like crazy cracking yet, mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram. So how would you guys like promote and talk about like yeah, how, how you guys built a buzz around your band. Like, how, how did you guys get people to just come and be interested? Travel Theory started as, like, a cover band, to be honest. Okay. As for, for a real long time, 2005 to, like, 2010 or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it was all off Facebook. We used Facebook. I think we maybe MySpace. And then Instagram and, or no, YouTube started getting more hyped. Got on there. Instagram, Twitter, and that all, all to like present day now. But it all started basically on, on Facebook and YouTube, which is kind of cool because it was with the times then. But we never thought it happened that way. And then kind of leading up to now, we're all, we just got done doing like a four-month tour with the Expendables. And then, you know, you go and tour out in Guam and we're doing nationwide stuff and go to Hawaii and right. all kinds of places. Right. Like the, the, whole, the whole thing has come full circle so far, I feel. Yeah. Um, we had a mutual friend named Mario Co, and uh, I do remember we went bowling. We did at this place called East Lake Tavern and Bowl, and um, I have at this point I have no idea who Tribal Theory is. I learned a lot about Peter and his background um, when I go to his. I think I went to your spot. I think it was after your show, actually. Yeah. I think you guys had played a show at the House of Blues, and you guys had like an after party. And I came through, and uh, that's when we first met, and like really chopped it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was. Uh, we were staying off a of Tuma, oh. off of Briarwood. Yeah. 
which here is in, in which is in Paradise Paradise Hills. Hills. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we invited you to the show. Well, no. Initially, when I we was first an met, in income. Yeah, <laughs> when we first met, we we actually invited you over to the pad, and we talked about May. Remember? That's right. Yeah, we talked about May. We talked about bands we used to listen to back in the day, like May and the Starting Line, and and uh, and Drive Through Records and Pop Punk and stuff. And like Ryan that. was with you. That's insane. Yeah, it feels like that was like maybe six years ago. Fast forward, uh, I was producing this girl Chelsea Chavez. And I do remember playing a, sh- a live show with Rudy and your drummer at the time. I forgot his name. Bob. Bob. What's up, yeah. Bob? Shout out to Bob. Um, and then fast forward a few more months, Jared hits me up. Yeah. Because I remember Jared was at the rehearsals too. Yeah. And he's like, I think you guys should totally collaborate and, and, and work together. Which brings me to our very first collaboration. And that being Will You. I remember that day kind of clearly. I remember, uh, Nico, you were super early. So excited. <laughs> I was like, you are so punctual. It was like, <laughs> I was like, well, it's a 10, 10 a.m. start time in the studio. Yeah. And Nico's there like 9.30. Like, What's up, dude? Where, when, when do I start singing? He's like, <laughs> like, what? Why are you here? I'm like, I'm just, I'm enjoying my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, um, but I would love uh, to get your, um, just your thoughts on that first session and, and how you guys felt coming into it because um yeah it, it was the first time you guys were collaborating with someone that was like i hadn't i had no reggae background yeah and jared jared's their manager and uh it was basically his idea for us uh for tribal theory and, and me to collaborate um so i want to get your your thoughts on that so i had originally heard of my american heart in in tribal theory from our old bass player mike and I was like, "Oh, that's that's very good stuff there." And <laughs> come come to find out, this Jared Jared's like, "Hey, we're gonna do all this with um with Jesse from from My American Art, and and he lives like five minutes from you." So I live, I was living at the time like down the street, Spring Valley. Yeah, showed up. That's why I showed up super early. I was like, "I just I gotta go," <laughs> but super stoked to to record with him, and I just I thought the session was like perfect. S- almost seamless the, the way this everything unfolded to like here we got this it's like cool let me listen to that gonna do this all right i'm gonna stack all this stuff blah, 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 blah. then we get to vocals and just like <laughs> my mind explodes <laughs> from like all these fucking treats and all these harmonies and shit that's going on and like right <clears throat> we've done like I've, we've done music and recorded before it's like cool yeah i like that boom and then we do something like this and i was like what the fuck just happened like it was that that was great. I sat in the I think I sat in the car with the first mix the that that night and I like I was like almost cried. Oh my so, god! Something like that. Just listen to it over and I over again. I was like, know that. I was like, this has got to be this has got to be one of the like greatest like and that was like the I got to do this now. Keep going, keep going. This is the right. You're on the right path. Keep going, keep going. That's and insane. Leading up to now, now we're in fucking doing the next album and shit. Fucking stoked on that. This, Nico fast forwarded that so fast. <laughs> well, there's He's like, all- I'm gonna jump five years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, there's a lot of magic. Just all bunch there of bunch has of magic. Been a lot of magic. I think we finished Will You, and on the next day, I was like, let's let's just try to write something. Yeah. And I was like, Rudy, plug in your bass into the API. Peter, plug in your guitar into the API. I'm gonna be on this drum machine, and let's yeah. see what happens. And I just remember Peter coming up with the opening riff to Burnin'. 
the opening oh, yeah. the opening chord progression yeah. to burn in peter if you want to talk about like you know what you felt through that experience i mean we've worked with other people but it was never like as cohesive as it was like stepping into the JB cave. It was it was kind of like the idea of bringing things to the table and then like building on top of everything. Whereas like when we came here, we said, hey, we have this idea and let's start building together. And that made every single difference between, you know, hey. uh, whether it be a song we did that was popular three years ago and then something that's popular now, you know I mean? we We, we grew, we, definitely like matured when we stepped into the jbk yeah, and it was the stretch of talent for sure like making you almost jesse makes you almost independent in that sense yeah like you gotta fucking figure it out because like, that's <laughs> right you paid me for this shit but we got some shit to get done <laughs> well yeah but like some mr but, miyagi shit but almost like once it did click it was automatic right there was no like it was almost like i said seamless but like the hiccups were so near and far. Yeah, because when you think about it, dude, co-writing for the first time is is pretty much like going on your first date. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm not sure what I'm able to, like, confess or tell you I'm vulnerable. Right. But, yeah, so we do Will You, and we do, I I, I think we we finished Burnin'. Yeah. We finished Burnin', and I think Jared pitches Burnin' to 91X. And at this point, I think we had built up just a pretty strong chemistry with each other and i think we wanted to take that to the next level and this is when the idea of reclamation started and doing um a record together our first record together and these guys basically crowdfunded yeah i want you guys to talk a little bit about just doing a record that's crowdfunded through kickstarter and the pros and cons of uh just a crowdfunded record and creating, but also like dealing with like, oh, we need to raise funds because right. we don't have the money to pay for this shit. Right. I think, I don't. I think it was like tough. I think it's a tough thing to do for sure. To I have, saw, I saw it weigh, weighing on your minds. Yeah, absolutely. It was probably one of the tougher things we had to do. One because it was a lot of money, and two, we this was the first time we were gonna come out with a record since like fucking five years, bro. Or something like that. Way too fucking long. Was this the first record that Peter played on? No. No, no. I've I played in previous records. Hell of a Night and, and Kelly Love. Yeah, but this was the one that allowed me to do more. Mm. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, as far as like... Kickstarter was a bitch, No, dude. yeah. Yeah. Like, to say the least. To yeah. say the least. To say because, the least. Because you're video. focused. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're focused on... Hey, we need to make fifteen thousand dollars, and we're relying on all these people who are fans to, yeah. you know. And you know, shout out to the fans. That's yeah, like, that's huge of them to, no, to help us that way. We would have not done it if it wasn't for the fans. But yeah, because yeah, they, they, they reached their goal of yeah. what was it, fifteen yeah, thousand dollars? I think 15, it was 000. almost sixteen. Insane. Yeah, but that's that, a lot of money. Dude. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It was six. It was fifteen. Was a goal. We did a little, a little bit over that. But I mean, like just the load to have that on you like weighing on you in the back of your mind while creating a brand new album with a sound that you're trying to kind of more or less recreate yourself is like the most stress i think like i've ever felt like 
musically no way you know? yeah. yeah so it, it was hard it was definitely hard. yeah because you guys had the video and you guys had the kickstarter like the site and then you had the we have to tweet on a friday and we have to instagram this yeah. and we have to do this when like saturday it's like it saturday's guitar day yeah. yeah so peter's coming in with the mindset of like i've got to be creative yeah. um with my guitar parts but then in the back of my mind we're three thousand dollars short of making this goal and there's four days left yeah yeah and, so. and and my idea is like back then that's cool like that's when it comes to social media no problem now with everything being with all the algorithms and all that can you imagine like how much harder it would be now it's ridiculous you can't it, even do this yeah any kind of almost impossible nico played drums on reclamation my friend nico played my roots and you ain't ready and another one, you know, Nico played on another one too, like Wata, dude. Oh yeah, like yes. Wata, which is gonna be on the new record. Yeah, we'll fast forward to that. Yeah, later. But Chris did Reclamation and Burnin and, and Burnin, Burnin. and I remember I called Chris because I oh cause that's right that's right because I had because yeah <laughs> I had seen him play with um oh man locally grown yeah yeah and I was like I know band. I know I know a drummer who could uh who could contribute. And I remember Nico was ready to just like slay the entire record. No. I remember, the, and I remember that I know. I remember a day before we recorded drums, I was like, or maybe two days before, I was like, I just know this guy that might be able to like slay yeah. on these two tracks. And I show him two videos of like Chris, and Nico is like, Yeah, nah, it's pretty cool. He's pretty cool. That's nice. No, no, Nico fucking loved it. Dude, it was, he was I, like, that dude's insane. Bro. I was like, yeah, for sure. Let him do the whole fucking thing if he wants. <laughs> but no, like, Chris, big up to Chris. Thank you big for the help. Big up to yeah. Chris. He definitely and, um, helped us a lot. You know? Right. And he, and, and he went as far as going to, because he, he, uh, he teaches drumline. Yeah. And on, I think it's Burnin, where he plays yep. the mm-hmm. marching drums. Yep. Yep. And that was the first time, like, I ever had marching a marching snare in the studio. And the first time I ever heard like a marching snare on a reggae track. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just remember um, when I first started to produce Tribal Theory that I just wanted to like s- like think outside of the box and like, what am I going to bring to reggae as a producer? How am I going to flip the sound of reggae just being an outsider? And I remember that, that, that him bringing that, that marching snare drum into the studio being like just one of those memories yeah. of like... Mm-hmm. We're gonna do something different, and we're gonna we're gonna not give a fuck yeah. about what anyone thinks yeah. about how we do this reggae album. Yeah. And I think that's the whole name and everything, just being being able to reclaim like absolutely, sound, you know? absolutely, and yeah, the whole idea of reclamation. Well, I th- right. Well, what happened? What had happened was after Burning. Didn't you come to a show at House of Blues? That's and we right. had brought the idea of reclamation to you because we were thinking about that on tour. Actually, yeah. Peter had thought of the name while we were on tour, and we all kind of. S- thought of the idea that's right actually yeah i was driving to a show and i kept thinking about a name 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 right because we've been dealing with a lot of bullshit from the past Mm. like all these two past albums that Mm. we've dealt with a lot of bullshit and that bullshit like it, 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 it like you know for me personally like all that stuff that we dealt with in the past albums like with producers and stuff like that it's something that I held for a long time. It was like, 
I can't fucking stand it. You know what I mean? Like we gotta like do something like as a band and we gotta make a statement. And I was like, how do we make a statement? What is what is the best way to say that you're gonna take back what was mm. more or less taken from you? Yeah. And so, I mean, we were driving through, actually it was, I was driving through Oceanside and we were heading to Ventura. We had a show in Ventura. Damn. And I was, yeah. I was like, hey, what do you guys think? We were sitting in the green room. I was yeah. like, what do you guys think about this? Reclamation. Oh my goodness. It was oh crazy. I got and chills. It, I, I seriously just got chills. It made, <laughs> and it made so much sense at that time. And the thing is like the stuff that came before was like, it was okay. Like some of that stuff people still like it, or whatever. It, ma- it made us yeah. in, in absolutely in a lot of the, this day yeah whenever yeah. i go see a tribal theory show the deep cuts the old cuts yeah, yeah. Are, honestly the fans love that they stuff. love it i think absolutely i think it would help a lot of the creation part of that was you actually going to the show and seeing how we perform live and mm-hmm. reclamation earned its fucking spot as far as with me like in my heart right. that song is the shit it totally explains what the fuck we're all about right yeah. and having that be the first track on the album was like you know the giant fuck you to what what was right. and this is what it is now you know and and right. it, and if i can say for the record reclamation is my favorite yeah. track we've for ever sure. recorded ah! period yeah. ah! period it's it's a beautiful track if you guys haven't heard it yet go on spotify right now and stream reclamation i've been in a, in a few ubers yeah. where in san diego where they're like yeah we i listen to reggae I'm like, yeah, you know, fucking tribal theory, man. Um, <laughs> I'll give you five stars if you throw that reclamation on. But yeah, time. I do, I do remember just like watching you guys live and seeing how energetic you guys were, mm. but not connecting your live show and your records. Yeah. And I was like, these, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing two bands. Yeah. There's the live tribal theory, and then there's the, you know, studio record tribal theory. Right. And what I wanted to do was bridges the gap yeah was be the producer that brought that energy brought that brought that the jumping nico and the head banging peter onto tape on on onto uh onto uh yeah just a record man yeah and i feel like we're on our way yeah. well if i if i can tangent on that you he is the first person really that has ever seen us live that knew kind of what we wanted to do as far as a band because back in the day, like the, the, the producer that we worked with in the past was like, Hey, this is a band never seen us live, yeah. but yeah. just wanted to work and make something out of it. Oh but realistically, when we're playing live, it's a whole different animal. It, and, and it's like, he never knew that the, the, the producers never knew that in the past. And it was like, they wanted to build a product with not knowing the history of that product. Yeah. And how can you do that when you don't know the history? You have to know the, the roots of everything. Yeah. And so to see what we were as a live band and to take that in the studio was like between night and day. And that's why when we came into the JB Cave, it, it almost, it not only transformed us, but it made us become what we wanted to be because you saw what we wanted to be but yeah. we didn't know how to like put that on on tape yeah. yeah exactly yeah so these guys do a winter tour uh between what was january and march april april january april. And april uh with the expendables yeah 
Um, so just tell me a little bit about that tour, what it's like touring in the snow, touring in the, the, just the bitter cold. And, uh, you want to go first or should I go first? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I, no, please, please go first. Nico, Nico, you <laughs> can go first and go ahead and tell me what, what it's like and be raw. Like how fucking hard is it? Because a lot of these people I feel like in this day and age are putting out songs and they're like, Oh, I could totally get big off the internet and I don't have to tour yeah. and I don't have to play a fucking show. Yeah. And I think I could get, I could go viral off this one song when I truly believe that going out there and playing in front of human yeah. people, bodies, bodies, no matter it being five people, 50 people, 500, 1,000, I don't care, yeah. but that human interaction will always trump yeah. showing a song on the internet. Yeah. I want to get your point of view on just, yeah, three months is a very long time. That's insane. It, it's fucking, it's tough, dude. Yeah. It's probably one of the fucking toughest things I've had to do because in September I had a, I had a child. September 1st, I had a baby. And Congratulations, then, man. Thank you. Yeah. Little Lacey Marie. And then right after that, dude, she's the greatest. She's a, Jesus. Anyway, I'm going to start crying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so right after that, leave. I'm not even home for like how long to see my, to be with my kid. I leave my wife and my kid, go on tour, and I stay on the road. Like, there's no there's no flying back home. There's no fucking drive back real quick, anything like that. And I, I'm not I'm not hating that that Peter got to do it. Like, he, he had to go work, so we had to make it happen. I, I didn't know? have a choice. But this, like, tribal theory is my choice. Doing music is my choice. And we I have, you know, great support on top of that. But being being on the road that long away from family, away from like your own bed, being able to have the kind of freedom that you want when you're at home, privacy to fucking to fucking, you know, being able to, to say what you want in under your own roof and not have to be fucking scared that you're stepping on eggshells everywhere. Um, it, it's it's fucking tough. And you, it's hard to keep your mouth shut for three, four months that whole time. And then, I mean, what do you, what do you expect? Like you, your, your body's like taking a beating the whole time. Half the time you're on the road driving, sleeping on a fucking, while people are driving eight hours, 12 hours, like through the night, through the fucking, the blizzards and shit. Like <laughs> we swerved on the, we swerved on the fucking freeway, bro. Like scary. Black ice all I hear, no joke, my we, friends. We were driving and I was asleep and all I hear is Rudy say, oh shit. And I get up and I feel the fucking van just starting to move. And we weren't even going fast, but in my, my, my chest was going crazy. Peter was driving, but he I was at the wheel. He totally yeah. took control of it though. He knew what he was doing. I mean, to be, to be honest, it, we've been on tour before and it's rough like that, but this, this with the expendables, it was pretty smooth as far as like doing show to show, getting there time, doing, do your time, get off stage, blah, blah, blah. There was never any beef. Like we totally made friends with red, gold, green and, and the expendables. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that part is great, but being, you know, the in-between time, dude, like it's all fun and dandy when we're on stage, like, cause we know how to bring that beast out. But when you're, once you get off stage and once you're done taking the pictures and shit, you get back in the van, it's like, fuck. We're human beings. Yeah, exactly. I'm a fucking, I'm still a fucking human. You know what I mean? Yeah. I absolutely. still, I, I, I still got to eat. What the fuck am I? Well, I had Herbalife shakes, but yeah. like, what the fuck am what I eating What am eat I right eating now? tonight? Yeah. We start talking about the new record, Time Lapse, and Alan asks a great question. I just want to say, just to kind of, 
get into your mindset before you guys wrote the record. You just came off a tour. Mm -hmm. They say that learn like you're going to live forever and live like you're going to die tomorrow. How does this inform your future endeavors? Because people can be terrified of doing anything mm -hmm. that could be perceived as aspirational. Mm -hmm. So they don't affect the status quo. What aspirations do you have that would inform the coming of this future project? To be honest, there's there's a lot of people that, that are gonna go and do what's, you know, like regular, I guess, what you would consider, consider regular, nine to five, do things like that, that make you just get by, but no, you're going to die still. None, none of that shit's ever going to matter. You know, there's, there's got to be a point in your life to where you've got something else going on and you want to make your life much better for you and your family. And what, what really pushes all that is, for, for me, it's like, you know, you got, I have God, I have my family, and that's, I have in my head, my parents believe that I was good enough to keep doing this. So that's what, you know, it's got to keep pushing you somewhere, you know. And that, that's for me personally. Um, but I, I I can't say that I can't say that I'm, I'm I regret taking this step because it's tough. It's fucking tough. But this album, I feel, is expresses top to bottom where our talent is and how far it's brought us. And his, you know, Peter's story is going to be different. But everybody brought like they're all to this. I think I think it takes it takes a lot to be able to eclectic, like you said, to hit all those certain points. But mm -hmm. it, you know, you got to dive in. You just gotta be able to jump and know that you're gonna grow wings. That's a fucking. That's another thing that. I Go ahead, Peter. Yeah, I I think that's what it is. Is being re-inspired, is because you come off a tour and you're playing those songs that you've recorded in the past, and that you're trying to have these fans that you haven't played in front of. Gain have some kind of grasp of what you are as an artist and what you tr you're trying to portray as a musician. Um, so our idea was we want to exemplify everything that we've done on tour and put that back on record so we knew what we 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 made reclamation we knew what we wanted to continue and we showed that on tour we wanted to exemplify that and exponentially make that even that much better on a new album and we wanted everybody that has seen us on tour and those people who followed us from the very beginning to, you know, carry on from that point on and know that we as Tribal Theory have grown, but also we've also we've also wanted to, you know, mature in a sense and you know, kinda like I said, mm. exemplify what we uh, you know, tribal theory as a whole in a sense um like i would say maturity is like the, the yeah the thing. yeah yeah the, the, the that's what thing. i'm trying to say is like in all in all it is maturity yeah coming growing, off coming off it's growing like, from reclamation but also appealing to people who've always loved tribal theory mm -hmm. but known tribal theory as that but have matured and ex can accept the maturity you know, you, you put in the work, you've seen all these cities and you do all these shows. What is it about you that has changed that the city hasn't? There's a feeling though. There is that kind of feeling. Once you get back home, you unpack and or not really unpack because no one really different. Yeah. You're different. You're, you're, you're just different. You feel, you feel like you've experienced a lot of life 
and this place didn't get to go with you. Home didn't get to go with you or something. You know what I mean? And you and it's kind of like I wish the city went and saw all that with me. Right. So it could come back and be what I want it to be, I guess. But they can see it on really. Instagram. They can see it on Snapchat. How is that different? It's kind of different from like where we come from, like Rudy and I. Because this is our second home. We made this, we made San Diego home. Like it, it wasn't like we didn't have like exactly a choice. Like we, we said like this is where we're going to, you know, place our roots and so on and so forth. But when we go on tour and we come back to San Diego, we're not exactly home. We start talking about how we came up with the name Time Lapse for the new LP. So we end up writing 14 songs and we realize at this point that a lot of the record has a certain vibe. It's very eclectic. There's songs that could be heard in the evening and there, there are songs that could be heard, you know, in the morning or afternoon. And we sit down and we start talking about what could be the title of the album. And the guys came up with this. Time, time lapse. Time lapse. <laughs> <laughs> See, you like that there? Nice. Let, it, let the time. I, I, I like the. I, I like how you guys made that dramatic. But yeah. uh, time lapse, the yeah. time lapse LP. So we decided to go with time lapse, and it was representing uh, all the times of the day, from morning to evening, and we labeled them as such. So there is actually like tunes for the morning time tunes for the afternoon tunes when you're ready to get to go out and party and then once the evening's done you got your midnight feel so the the theme of it is we we wanted to put basically a, a, a story together from morning to night this is this is what happened from here all the way down and to make it almost like a like a full body experience you know what i mean a lot of not full body but like a full ear experience mindfuck Mindfuck. <laughs> Peter, talk about how how, how we plan on uh, releasing the songs. Uh, so the idea is to release the songs in four parts. And every song will relate to those four parts. Um, four so, sexy parts. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> We will have songs that have that certain vibe that's in the morning. And then, you know, we have that um, afternoon vibe. And then we have that evening vibe. And then we have that midnight vibe that all those songs correlate to that certain feeling of that time of day that will, you know, every everything will basically relate to how you feel in that time of day. And then will express how we felt when we recorded those songs mm -hmm. so paint the picture yeah give them the experience kind of thing or if they need help with the experience um i want to ask you nico jesse i want to talk about your growth as a vocalist mm. um just from reclamation to this album are you doing anything different uh, vocally, has there been anything um, that you've done different that you tried uh, this time around, recording-wise? I'm sure we did some things different. Yeah, um, I I really do feel um, that coming coming here to the cave, there's there has been a lot of growth, um, especially with reclamation, being able to use like 
emotion and like what you want to deliver and what you want the people to feel you know what i mean what the fans the fans to feel so giving giving all that energy but then learning how to i guess critique what your what your craft is and anything as far as different like i definitely started taking care of myself vocally knowing this is going to be you know what i want to do and i got to take care of that this is the the instrument that i got to use for the rest of my life the but, harmonies the harmonies that nico sang on this record crazy crazy for sure i want to talk about coup a little bit yeah i want to talk about coup and um i don't know if we could dive too deep on what happened with coup but um there was a there was a bit of like uh just some turmoil for sure uh but this record gave coup some time to to think about it and write about it and i thought that was really cool for coup to be more involved on this full length and to sing on uh, a lot of the songs on the new record and there is a song called um it's called future and man ku dug deep lyrically on this song he's he's like he's pretty his mind is uh has gone through a lot of stuff like his mind and his body he's been through a lot of stuff in his life but he's when it comes to writing, that dude can express some shit, dude. Like, uh, yeah, he can. And express I feel like some whenever shit. he walks into the booth, I'm yeah. just like super surprised every single yeah. time. We start talking about a new song on the record called "Midnight Getaway," which features Rob Stone, a local rapper from San Diego, and Jeff Burnett. That shit was fun. I think that's probably one of the most most fun I've had because it's it's so different, you know. I think we. I think we were feeling the vibe after Jeff had sent us like half of a verse. Yeah, you, yeah. you were like, "Dude, what if a what rapper if came a, through?" Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "I could try to hit a Rob." He's like, "Oh my god, that'd be perfect." <laughs> yeah, and Rob came through. Yeah, and Rob ended up coming through. So Rob came through. Yeah, super Stone. nice guy. Yeah. Came through. Super professional. Yeah. And literally three takes. Three takes. Maybe one take. Yeah, for the main. For he sure. He was like main. Lay Boom. it down. Dub. I'm ready for my dubs. Boom. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Adlib. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, for real. Uh, super professional. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Huh. So that brings us to our closing statements and the end of episode three of Cave Talks. I just want to say uh, thank you guys. Nico. Thank you, yeah. Nico. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, bro. The trusty co-host. Uh, this was a great episode. Yeah. Thank you. So the guys have uh, a few shows coming up um, in March. Yes. 23rd, San Diego House of Blues. 24th, Anaheim House of Blues. Exciting. $20 yes. on Ticketmaster. Yes. $20? $20. That's a deal. Absolutely. It's a steal. Steal deal. Anything after that? Any plans? Not really. Have you got the album? Maybe. Album, yeah. Maybe in May. We might have an album out. I keep saying we like I fucking am a part of your band. But it's like that. It's totally like that. We are one. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to put together a tour, so we'll see about that. But in Sweet. The what, what's your dream tour, by the way? Like, who would you like, like name four bands the dream tour? Bruno Mars. Jacob? <laughs> there's, there's actually a lot of people that we've already played with that we never thought we would. Yeah. Uh, slightly stupid. Mm. That'd be fun. Nice. Expendables was a dream, but that, that we did that. I'm gonna go left field here and say Coheed and Cambria. 
and I'm biased because that's my favorite band in the whole entire <laughs> world. <laughs> I, I like just turned my head. I was like, Who? No. Hey man, I've seen some. I've seen some weird tours happen. Like, what was the band that opened up for Justin? That bought on to the tour. Common Kings. Common Kings. Crazy. So, so realistically, yeah, Common Kings would be yeah. an amazing act to be on tour with. Like, off the top. Um, in addition to that, J Bug, yeah. Fiji, um, just some main, you know, like Hawaii slash mainland reggae acts you know and, and me personally revolution yeah i would nice. love to work with revolution i would love to work with um iration and yeah. you know fortunate youth and yeah. one of our homies uh our good friends out here in san diego through the roots yeah yes yeah. through the roots yeah so yeah. that's my take on it beautiful so final words final words from nico and peter um i want to get a take from both of you guys um what do you want your legacy to be uh it would probably have to be that i i made everybody proud enough um have it be with heritage family or anything i just if i made everybody proud i'm good with that i mean you like royalties and all that stuff is cool like having the houses and all that stuff but like the legacy i want to be i'm he was a great guy and his music fucking killed it every time he always brought the energy but i'm fucking and i'm i'm proud of what what he's done because everyone's gonna hear the story but if they're proud of the story then I, I did my job beautiful peter mine would be first and foremost i want to make my parents proud i want them to be happy of or be happy of what i did and branched out as far as what i wanted to do with my life to encompass all of that um at the end of the day i want to make my my culture proud i want to be happy that the people from guam and chamorros and saipan tinian and rhoda and all those people chamorros worldwide are proud of what i did and what i put on on the tape and they can relate to what i uh more or less um put my all onto sound and can relate to what i put onto sound and i can continue to do that even when i'm up to 70 80 90 years old so as far as travel theory is concerned i want to make sure that everybody out there as far as the tomorrow is concerned they are proud of what i did and that will carry on to my family and my parents and so on and so forth and again, the royalties. Beautiful. Insane. Leave your legacy. Leave home to follow your dreams. Leave it all on the table. And that's what these guys did. They, uh, they were fearless. And I commend both you guys. Thank you guys for being on the episode. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are amazing. I fucking love you guys. Yeah. Uh, these guys have inspired me. Um... In many, many ways. Many, many ways. And I look forward to, to seeing what happens with time lapse. We have we have a long road ahead. And yeah, stay tuned guys. Uh we have 14 songs for you. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. The the third episode of Cave Talks. Stay tuned. We have more exciting things coming next week. <laughs>